Great. Thanks, Ellen. We are into um, week five. I'm just going to move this microphone out of the way. We're into week five of our series. I'm just making our camera camera team work really hard. I'm just going to keep moving across the stage. We're into week five of our series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus delivers his sermon in Matthew 5 and, and speaks about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. That following Jesus will transform our views, transform our allegiances, transform our behaviors as we live as salt and light in the world. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Um, it's been a challenging series, hasn't it? Um, I am still wrestling and reflect on those last two messages. Phil, as he shared about anger and loving those around us, and then Hannah uh, last week sharing about what it means to re-examine our hearts um, and deal seriously with the sin in our hearts. I just love those messages. I don't know about you, but I find it so easy just to uh, hear a message and then kind of move on and, and never think about it again. And when messages like that come, it's just caused me all, you know, throughout these weeks to just be reflecting of what and God has been speaking so clearly to me. And what I love about working our way through a particular uh, series in the Bible where we look verse by verse through it is that you can't just miss out the verses that you don't like or are a little bit hard work. Um, and so we get to some tough passages as we have over the last two weeks. And, and today is no different. Uh, you might be aware of... Um, it's Valentine's Day today. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, I wasn't, uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, what happened was when me and my wife started uh, dating, I'm just going to move, I'm very breathy. Just move that away, is that better? Um, uh, when my wife and I started first dating, we got to our first Valentine's Day, and, and she said to me, oh, I, let's not do Valentine. And I thought, that's just a test. And so what happened was Valentine's Day came and went, and are we all right? Sorry. Do you want me to grab the microphone? Yeah, is that better? Yeah, good. Great. So, yeah, so my wife said to me, um, well, at the time, my girlfriend said to me, we're not going to do... Uh, we don't do Valentine's. So Rachel said, don't, we don't do Valentine's. And so I thought, that's definitely a test. So Valentine's Day came, and, and I brought her a card. I thought, I'm not going to go over the top, but at least get her a card. And she looked incredibly guilty and said, I told you not to get anything. I've not got you a card. Um, and so there was a bit of an awkward moment. And so then the next year came, and we had the same conversation. You know, don't do anything for Valentine's. And I thought, I'm not going to get done twice in a row. But she assumed that I would buy a card. So then she bought a card and I didn't and another awkward moment. And you'll be glad to know that for the last 10 years, Valentine's in a row, we've not done anything. And so that means for me, Valentine's isn't a big, uh, a big deal. And so I didn't realize that when we're going to get to the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to be speaking about divorce on Valentine's Day. But maybe that is God prophetically speaking to us. So we're going to be reading from Matthew 5, 31 to 32. It says this, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever, uh, say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I'm just going to whip this off slightly. 
These are Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. And just a warning that these, that hopefully I'm going to me- deliver this message sensitively. Um, but this might not be a message if you've got, uh, if you're a family with uh, explorers aged children, under 11s. If, you've, if, if you're watching together, you might want to go onto the YouTube channel, uh, type in uh, Jubilee Church Hull Explorers. There'll be loads of great content, videos you can watch there. And maybe come back to this message later. Jesus has been speaking, as we heard last week, about lust. Uh, about how we need to be radical with our approach to sin in order to keep a pure heart. He then moves on to speaking about divorce, which was incredibly rife at the time. You you could divorce your wife if she cooked you a bad meal. You could uh, divorce your wife if you just saw someone in the street who looked more attractive. Now, fortunately, in the UK, our laws are a little bit tighter than that. Um, But at the moment, you can get divorced for a number of reasons in the UK. One, you can get divorced because of adultery, so your husband or wife has sex with someone else. Secondly is unreasonable behavior, so uh, this includes uh, verbal or physical abuse. Thirdly, desertion, so this is where your husband or wife has left you for more than two years. Then there's mutual separation, where after two years of being living apart, you can get divorced. Or the final one is long-term separation. And this is where uh, your husband or wife has left you for more than five years. Even if they don't want a divorce, you can file for a divorce. So our laws, compared to the laws that we read about when Jesus is speaking, they're a little bit different. But divorce is a huge issue. In 2019, there were 107,000 divorces. An increase of 18.4% on 2018, the highest since 2014. Generally, what's been seen is uh, since the uh, peak of divorces in 2003, we have seen a downward trend, but they don't think this is because divorces are happening less. They just think it's because people are getting married less. Over half of couples living together now live together unmarried. Less marriages equal less divorces, but 2019, we still saw 107,000 divorces in our country. It's also expected that later this year, there's going to be the no-fault divorce bill that's going to be introduced, sort of autumn of this year, where you can get divorced um, just by stating that your marriage has broken down irretrievably. So there's no reasons needed, no questions asked. Suddenly, what we're seeing is a lot more common to what Jesus was speaking into. It looks a lot more like the time Jesus is speaking And I don't need to really tell you about the stats. I don't need to tell you that there was 107,000 divorces in 2019. Because every one of us will have a divorce story. Maybe you've been divorced yourself. Maybe your parents. Maybe your family members. I'm pretty convinced that we all have a direct connection with either family or close friends who have had a divorce. And have stories to tell about the impact. You know, the danger is that we can become so infiltrated by cultural views that without knowing it, we we live by the world standards rather than the standards and the way that Jesus calls us to live. Remember that we are citizens of heaven living on earth. So today I want to explore what Jesus says about divorce and what it means for us. Back to Matthew 5, 31 to 32. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife Let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. 
And whoever, divorces a, whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I just want us to pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we, we just want to firstly just submit to your kingship in our lives. Lord, we don't ask for the, we, we know the Bible's not an easy read. We've known that over the last few weeks and we see it again today that it kind of, it rubs up against our culture. But Lord, even today we want to submit to you as king. And Lord, as king in our lives, I pray you would just be speaking to each of us. As we look at this passage and we look at what it looks like to live this out in Hull in 2021, may we have the boldness and the courage to listen to your voice, to hear, to trust in you and to obey. Amen. God created marriage. We find this in Genesis 2. Verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made, the woman, made a woman from the rib he had taken from the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. God creates Adam and he thinks it's not good for Adam to be alone. But in, no cre in creation there was no suitable partner for Adam. So Eve is created. She is seen to be this suitable partner for him. You know, throughout Genesis 1, we find this uh, complementary pairs going on. Light and dark, earth and sky, sun and moon, land and sea, humans and animals. And then the biggest masterpiece of all was saved to last, male and female. God's image is expressed in male and female together. And he brings them together in marriage. And that means that sex outside of marriage between one man and one woman is outside of God's plan for humanity. This is the picture of marriage in Genesis 2 and it's beautiful. One man and one woman joined together expressing the image of God. But there is another option. The church has far too often made it seem like marriage is the destination that we're all working for, aiming towards. We make churches a place for matchmaking and make anyone who is not married feel left out. That's not the way that the Bible presents marriage. Marriage is a wonderful gift. And if you're not married, uh, there is nothing wrong with desiring to be married, asking God to provide you with a husband or a wife. But marriage is not the only way. The Bible presents another gift, the gift of singleness. Although marriage is great, I would argue that the Bible actually says singleness is better. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 8, To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Paul was able to serve God in a way that married people never could. Singleness brings the opportunity to serve God with freedom, not enduring the commitments and the struggles of marriage and parenting. If you want any evidence of the value of singleness, Jesus lived his entire life on earth as a man without being married. If you're single today, then God has given you a great gift. 
If you are married today, God has given you a great gift. God loves them both and he intends us to find deep satisfaction with whichever gift he gives us. But the truth is that even today on Valentine's Day, we remember, we, we recognize that uh, marriages are, are tough. Marital difficulties are common. And so what happens when things go wrong? Is divorce an option for the follower of Jesus? Jesus is questioned on this in another part of Matthew in, in, verse, in chapter 19, uh, verse 3 says, And the Pharisees came up to him and they tested him by saying, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Remember, we read that earlier on. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command uh, command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Jesus reminds them of this beauty of marriage. God created you male and female and when he brings you together, you are one flesh. This spiritually, a uniting happens when one man and one woman comes together. That's why sex outside of marriage is so dangerous because you can walk away physically but you can't walk away spiritually. God designed marriage to be permanent. And in a culture of consumerism where our highest aim is is to be happy and to be satisfied, we need to hear what God says. Marriage is an unconditional devotion to one another. Why did God design marriage like this? Because he designed marriage to be a picture, an expression of the covenant that he, of the covenant-keeping love that Christ has for his church. That's what Ephesians 5 speaks about. I won't read the whole passage because of time, but Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husbands. And then later in verse 33, he says, This is a profound mystery. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. God doesn't walk away from us. God doesn't walk away from his church and neither should husbands or wives walk away from the covenant they have made with one another. When it comes to divorce, that has to be our starting point. Our culture wants marriage to be easier to get out and we need to fight to keep the beauty of this expression of God's love for us. So when people uh, question Jesus in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 19, Jesus makes it clear. Marriage is a lifelong commitment and therefore there are no get-out clauses. God hates divorce and he wants to see every marriage reflecting the beauty of Christ and the church and the covenantal love that he has for us. And then the Pharisees push back and they say, yes, but Moses allowed us to divorce. And Jesus says, because of your hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. God never had divorce in mind when he created marriage. And therefore, when divorce happens, it only ever happens as a result of our sinful nature. 
But because of our sin, God do, Jesus does give one reason when divorce may take place. Let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. We read it. And it is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever divorces and mar marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus gives one reason for divorce, and that is sexual immorality. The Greek word here is a Greek word called pornea. And it refers to any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. We also then find in Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 to 16, he permits a divorce in the case of a follower of Jesus being married to an unbeliever and the unbeliever choosing to leave the marriage. So if you are married to a, a non-believer and because of your faith, they decide they want to divorce you, Paul says that is permitted as well. The only other reason why a marriage may end is if a spouse dies. As the marriage is this lifelong commitment and so once that person has died, the marriage is over. You might disagree with me, but I think I find three reasons for the end of a marriage. Divorce due to sexual immorality, divorce because a non-believing partner leaves a believer and death of a spouse. But note that Jesus doesn't say that sexual immorality must end a divorce. This is really, really important. We believe that God is a God who brings restoration and healing. And so where true repentance happens, a true determination to change, then my prayer would be that a marriage could be restored. Remember, divorce was never God's intention. So if it was never God's intention, then he must have an answer to our sinful nature. God's answer isn't divorce. God's answer is he can bring restoration, healing and transformation. If you are struggling in your marriage right now, even if there has been cases of sexual immorality and you just don't know what to do, reach out for support. Get marriage counselling. Get support from brothers and sisters in the church who can support and pray for you. This is what John Piper writes to those considering divorce. He says this, So my word of hope begins with a plea. I have given it countless times to men and women. Put divorce out of your mind as a remedy. Don't consider it. Say to yourself, in the truth of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is not an option. I'm not going to pursue it. It may be forced on me, but I am not going to pursue it. In cases of sexual immorality, it doesn't automatically mean that it's going to end in divorce. God can bring transformation and change. As he says, divorce may be forced on you. If the person is unwilling to change and is not repentant, but it doesn't have to end in divorce. But where it, where it, that's where it ends, Jesus says it is permitted. So what about situations where there is abuse? The Bible doesn't address issues of physical, verbal, emotional abuse in marriage. But the Bible does have a variety of things to say that can help us uh, with whether abuse is a reason for biblical divorce. Firstly, abuse is a sin. As believers, we are charged to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, steadfastness gentleness, as 1 Timothy 6, 11 says. In a covenantal relationship, there is no space for any abuse of any kind. Abuse is also against the law which, that we live under as believers Someone who is being abused should call the police. They should follow the legal system to ensure that they are protected from harm. 
No one should stay in a situation where they have been subjected to abuse. No one. As a member of the church, you also have elders. The Bible also uses the term shepherd who are there to protect you. You should contact me or Mark or Phil or Steve and and then your husband or wife will be subject to what we call church discipline. This doesn't take the place of the police and the legal system. But this is what we find in Matthew 9 as how believers we should operate where people are challenged on sinful behaviours in the hope that they will repent. At this point, I wouldn't be calling immediately for a divorce, but I would say, actually, what is needed now is a time of separation where you can be safe and where your spouse has time to repent and begin to work through the issues. The hope is always that we can work with you to see marriages restored and healthier than ever, no matter what situation you find yourself in. However, in some cases, the the person who is guilty of abuse will not repent. They will refuse to work with a church. They will refuse to change. And at this point, the, the person should then be removed from church community and treated as an unbeliever rather than a brother and sister in Christ. We find this in Matthew 18 as well. At this point, divorce then becomes an option as they have so destroyed the marriage covenant, there is nothing left to hold on to. Sometimes cases of abuse are so serious or the person is so unrepentant that there is this covenant has been so destroyed that divorce becomes an option. This is our interpretation of scripture. You may disagree, but the most important thing to say is that in situations of abuse, Remove yourself from the situation and get help. If you are experiencing that today, get out of that situation and reach out for support. We as a church will walk through those issues with you. We hopefully never get to the point of divorce, but at times we've known it. We live it. We know there's people in our church who have been through it. There are times when we get to the point where the marriage cannot be saved. We don't have a list of these is when divorce is applicable in those cases. It will depend on the situation. And if you do get a divorce or have got a divorce for any of those reasons that I've outlined, then we believe that you are free to get remarried if you choose to. The divorce certificate that Jesus was speaking about was to enable remarriage. Now, this is a very emotive topic that I'm trying to do in the time that I've got. There are some biblical principles there rather than answering specific questions. Every marriage has its own issue. And we would encourage every married couple to invest well in your marriage. I was listening to a pastor in Bedford called Simon Holly. And he says, wherever there is a disagreement, God is wanting to speak to both of you. And that's just really helpful. Wherever there is a disagreement, God is wanting to speak to both of you. A great question for us to ask is, God is in our marriage So God is in this disagreement. What is he trying to say to me? I'll be honest with you. you Some of you might need to hear this today. We are very rarely 100% right. So be ready to change. If you're going to ask that question, what is God saying to me through this? Be ready to change. Rachel and I, during lockdown, um, back in, who knows, sometime. It's all going to, I think April. Back in April, Rachel and I did the marriage course um, that uh, HTB, who run Alpha, they, they ran. And we did an online al- uh, marriage course and we found it so helpful. 
just to talk about our marriage, to look at points where we're struggling and points that we're winning and, and celebrate those and look at the areas we're struggling and work at how, how can we work on our marriage better? How can we learn to love each other, that covenantal love better? And we're hoping that in the coming months we're going to be running one here at Jubilee. I'd also say spend time with older married couples. Get wisdom from them. If you need to, get marriage counselling. Invite friends and family to speak into your marriage. This doesn't just mean married couples. Include those single in our family. We have so benefited from the friendship and the wisdom of the single people in our church family. The key to this is don't wait until crisis before investing well in your marriage. Don't get to the point where you are reaching out and it has gone horribly wrong to say we are going to invest well. Investing in your marriage is the best decision you can do because that will help everything else in your life. That will be the best way you can invest in being a member of this church. It's the best way you can invest in being a father or mother. It's the best way you can invest in being a good person, a good work, you know, person at work. Invest in your marriage well. Let everything else flow from your relationship with Jesus and demonstrating your covenantal love to your spouse. But if you are in crisis point now, if you're saying, yeah, that's a good idea, but it's too late. We're at crisis point now. Reach out. Get support. Speak with your growth group leaders this week. If you're not in a growth group or you, you, you just want to set, send us a message on Facebook now. Email info at notdull.org and one of our team will call you and can talk through the issues and look at how we can support you. And I realise this is an incredibly emotive topic. And if you are struggling with the issue of divorce, maybe some of the things I've said, maybe you've been divorced in the past, maybe you've been affected by divorce from those who are close to you, maybe you are considering divorce now. Putting something in the chat box on Facebook isn't probably the best place to do it. But we have people available to talk to you. So Facebook, you can send a Facebook message straight through to us. Email info at notdull.org and one of our team will ring you back and discuss. Maybe you've got questions of this message and questions around just why do we believe that? Reach out to us and we will call you back. And for some of us, you're feeling a great sense of condemnation because of the past and because of your past relationships. You need to know that each of us fail daily. Every day I fail to demonstrate the love of Christ, the love that Christ has for his church in my relationship to Rachel. Every day I fail. Where I fail, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to come back to God. I need to ask him to change me so I can become more like Jesus. For every failing in your life, the answer is found at the cross. For every failed relationship, for every sexual sin, for every time you have failed to love your spouse or those around you as you should, the cross shows us that we are made righteous, not because of our performance, but because of Christ's obedience. The cross is where we come to today. Whether you've got a great marriage, whether you're single, whether you've been divorced, whether you're struggling right now, whether you're having an affair right now. Where we come to is we come to the cross and we find not our performance, we find Christ's obedience. I wonder if the band would join me. And I want to pray right now for each of us, wherever we're at, 
but I especially want to pray for those who are feeling condemnation. God never comes to bring guilt, but he sometimes uses messages where he just arrests us and says, oh, this is some, he puts his finger on things. And so Lord, I do pray right now for every one of us, whether we're married or we're single, whether we're thriving or struggling, I pray that at the cross we would find forgiveness, we would find restoration, we would find healing, we would find freedom. I do pray for everyone who is struggling right now with guilt and condemnation. Lord, I pray you would come and speak to them truth. That they would come, uh, they would know that they are loved by you deeply. Lord, where there is sin in our lives that is stopping us walking in obedience, I pray you would just arrest us right now. Take a hold of our hearts and transform us. For those who are struggling, Lord, may this be the day where they say, I am going to get help. I am going to stop keeping this quiet. I'm going to stop feeling guilty. I'm going to stop just isolating myself. I'm going to reach out for help, knowing that Christ has something better. And Lord, I pray across this whole church, whether we have the gift of marriage or the gift of singleness, may we find deep satisfaction in both. May there be marriages that reflect the beauty of Christ in the church. May we have lives, if we're single, where we are able to reflect the love that Jesus has for us to those around us. May we be people who have deep satisfaction with all that you have given us, Lord. May you bring healing where we need healing today. May you bring forgiveness and may you bring restoration. And may we run into that life that you say. You say you've got life, you, you promise life in its fullness. May we experience that as we follow you today. Amen.